Hallelujah. Father, we ask you right now to have your way with every mind, heart, and soul. Father, we give you permission right now to rule and reign in this atmosphere. Father, we thank you for an open heaven. Father, we thank you for glory clouds. Father, we ask that you would reign in this place, Father. We ask, Father, that your spirit and presence would suffocate us, Father. We give you our mind, our heart, and our soul, Father, that we may learn of your son, O Father. So we ask you right now, Father, to teach us, Father. I ask you right now, Father, to use me, Father, to deliver your word, Father. In spite of me, Father, let your word connect with their soul, Father, that your kingdom will come, your will will be done, Father, and eventually, Father, they will walk in their predestined purpose, Father. So we thank you right now, Father, for what you are doing in this house, in this atmosphere, Father. We thank you for your glory, your power, and your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, our first scripture on today is going to come from Hebrews chapter 9, verse 13. And we're going to read 13 through 22. And it reads, it says, For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a young cow, sprinkling those who are defiled, sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse our conscience from dead works so that we can serve the living God? Now, as you can see, it's a question mark there. So he said, for if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of young cows, if we can sprinkle that over flesh and it be sanctified through purification, then how much more will the blood of Christ? So if we can take the blood of an animal and we can take the ashes of a heifer and we can sprinkle it on something that is defiled and could never be holy, how much more does the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish, can cleanse our conscience? Now, we know that Christ is a spirit, right? Christ is a spirit. So we know Christ doesn't have blood, so it's a deeper conversation than that, but I'm going to keep moving. Verse 15 says, therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant that's important because in Christianity we think that the the objective of Christianity is to have a relationship with Jesus but Jesus is the mediator Jesus is the mediator Jesus didn't die on the cross so we could have a relationship with him He died on the cross so we could have a relationship with the Father. Him dying on the cross and shedding his blood made us joint heirs with him. God is the heir. We're heirs of God, but we're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. It says, so that those who are called might receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. 
because a death has taken place for redemption from the transgression committed under the first covenant. Now, speaking covenant-wise, when it says the first covenant, it's talking about the first covenant that was created in time and space. All right, the first original covenant was created in eternity. But that covenant was not from, from God to man, it was from God with, with, to himself. It was him saying what he wanted and what he desired. That's why in Hebrew chapter 6, the Bible said he could swear by no one greater. So he swore by himself. That because of the oath and the promise that he would do the thing that he said. Now, why did he do this? The Bible says so that he could anchor our soul, which means that he wanted to make sure that our faith, that we could have faith in it. He wanted us to have faith in it. He didn't want to just say something. We gloss over it. We look at it and, and, have, and, and wonder if it could actually come to pass. So he swore by himself. He put it on himself. Y'all know how we put it on your mama and you put it on your, your dead homie. Okay. He, he put it on himself. He swore by himself. This thing will come to pass. And the Bible said he did this so that he could anchor our soul. So he can anchor our soul. When something is not anchored, you can move it. You've seen signs that, that are suspended in the air. They're anchored there. After storms, years of storms, that sign don't move. It doesn't move. It might discolor, but it doesn't move. You've seen something that was anchored to the ground, a tree, a pole. You can hit it with a car, and it doesn't move. Bridges are anchored together. Why? So people can come across them. It's to, we trust that anchor. So that's the same way we're supposed to trust the conversation in the word. Because he gave his son to die so that we could believe in his word. That's why I tell you, the Bible says that, and we use this scripture all the time, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave, he gave, he gave his only begotten son to whoever believes in him, not whoever has faith, not whoever agrees with the Bible, but you have to believe, which means it becomes now a walk. It becomes a thing that you trust. It becomes something that you have confidence in. So if you have confidence in something, what happens? You confide in it. You don't confide in something that you don't have confidence in. So the scripture lets us know. The scripture said a death has taken place for redemption. Redemption means that, that he has the receipt for what he purchased. He has the receipt for what he purchased. And he purchased us with the ransom. And all of this happened by his blood. So verse 16 says, where a will exists... The death of the one who made it must be established. So we couldn't receive the, in the inheritance until he died. But also, we can't receive the inheritance until we die spiritually. Until we die to this flesh and live spiritually, we can't receive that inheritance. Verse 17 says, for a will is only valid after, uh, the, for a will is, is valid only 
when people die, since it is never in effect while the one who made it is living. Verse 18, that is why even the first covenant was inaugurated with blood. So in order to inaugurate a covenant or to bring it into existence, there has to be blood. Verse 19, for when every command had been proclaimed by Moses to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and goats along with water, scarlet wool, and hyssop, and he sprinkled the scroll itself. Come on. Sprinkled even the word. He sprinkled the blood even on the word. So he sprinkled the scroll itself and all the people. Now remember, anytime you look at it in the Old Testament, it's a type and a shadow. He's speaking in figurative language so we can understand literal something that is spiritually literal. So something in the Old Testament, Testament happened literally. And he uses figurative language to understand because we can't understand literal spiritual. So he has to use the things that we can see. So the moment Adam fell, he had to walk through the new, all, through, all of the Old Testament is so that we can understand heaven. We were supposed to understand heaven directly through our connection with Adam. Jesus was plan B. I can't wait when I hit, hit him with that one on Instagram. I can't wait. Jesus was plan B. He, he, he's, he, <laughs> he was plan B. We were supposed to know the Father through Adam and Eve. Eve was supposed to give birth to God's. Verse 20 says that he, he would sprinkle, it says that, let me, let me go back. It says he took the blood of calves and goats along with water, scarlet wool, and hyssop and sprinkled the scroll itself and all the people saying, this is the blood of the covenant that God has ordained for you. Now, verse 21 says, in the same way. Now, what is that doing? That's bringing together the Old Testament and the New Testament. So what we just described in the same way, it says he sprinkled the tabernacle and all the articles of worship with blood. According to the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. So everything is purified with blood. Come on, say everything is purified with blood. Everything is purified with blood. In order for a covenant to come about, there has to be a shedding of blood. So since that was for the first covenant, for this new covenant, there had to be a shedding of blood. And just how it was, it was sprinkled on the word, Jesus died on that cross while the blood was dripping on him, the word. Okay? And that was done for who? For us. So the blood from the cross inaugurated a new covenant. Now, the pillar we are in is, the, is what? The ministry pillar. What is ministry? 
Ministry is service to the body. Now, I'm talking to sons and daughters, right? Ministry is service to the body of Christ so that the body of Christ can serve the world. God so loved the world. He did all of this because he wanted children. He wanted the world, so he gave a son. The law of harvest says that whatever you sow, that's what you reap. So he sowed what? What he wanted to reap. God didn't so love the world that he gave the Holy Spirit. So we are not sons and daughters in the Holy Spirit. We are sons and daughters in Christ. The series that we are teaching from is bodybuilders. Bodybuilders. Give me your pose. Come on, where my bodybuilders at? That's right. If you got two, give me two. And the title of our teaching on today will be Body Cleanse. Body Cleanse. Okay, Body Cleanse. If you remember anything from the teaching I did on soul algorithm. All right, you know that Jesus said, whatever you put in your mouth, it goes to your stomach and it comes out as waste. And he was diagramming how the soul, the mind, the soul, and the heart worked. Whatever you put in your soul, I mean, in your mind, it goes to your soul and then it comes out of your heart. So we have to be mindful what we put in our mind, understanding that whatever you put in your mind is developing your soul. But the seats of your soul are supposed to belong to Christ. The seats of your soul are supposed to belong to Christ. And so we have to be careful of what we put in our souls because whatever we put in our souls it contaminates it. Just in the same, whatever we put in our mind contaminates our soul. And if our soul is contaminated, so is our heart. Just like when you get a stomach ache and you go do what? You go run for the probiotics. Be, and, and your stomach only hurts because something you put in your mouth. The sickness and the illness comes from, most of our sickness and our illness comes from what we put in our mouth, what we eat. And sometimes the sickness in our body, we don't need medication. We need to cleanse our bodies. We need not put those things in our body. But once it's in there, now you have to do the necessary things to get it out. That's the same way with us individually, but it's also the same thing with us corporately. So the father is trying to cleanse each and every son and daughter because the cleansing of each and every son and daughter cleanses the body. This is the reason why we are called as a body. Okay, the Bible says he gave the fivefold ministry to equip the saints for the work of the ministry and the edifying of the body, the building up of the body. Until we all come in unity of the Son of God. Until we all come into the unity of faith. Till we all get to the full measure of stature which belongs to Christ. Now, in order for us to do that, how many of y'all know we got to clean some stuff out? We have to clean some stuff out. 
we already know that he called us. When he called us into this family, we were full of sin. You ain't going to make no claim on that, huh? Huh? You ain't going to confess to that, huh? <laughs> so if we were full of sin, then we know that, that sin is not the issue with us. The issue is getting Christ in there. The Father is looking at spiritual growth. He's not looking at your problems. If, he look, if he's looking at your issues, then he just looks over you. He never comes and pulls us out the orphanage if the, if, the, if the fact of the matter is, I don't want children to have sin in them. He so loved the world. The world were those who opposed him. The world, the world was those who didn't, have, didn't want to have anything to do with him. The world is those who shun his systems. And so the scripture tells us that the shedding of the blood of Jesus cleanses us. Not only does it cleanse the body of Christ, but it inaugurates a covenant. And relationships dictate covenants. I'm going to say that again. Relationships dictate covenants. If I have a covenant with you and you are my friend, that lets me know how far I, 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 can, I need to go. If you are my child, that's a whole nother covenant. I have to provide for you. If you're my friend, I don't have to. Because Dr. Hardy is my wife, I have to. The covenant stipulates, it says that it speaks to that. This is, this is a reason why in scripture, the two relationships that you see him use the most is what? Marriage and father and son, father and child relationship. Because that is the covenant that was established. So the covenant is simply God is our father, say amen. Us as his children, but then us as a body, we are the bride of Christ. When the Bible says that he that finds a wife finds a good thing, we are Christ's good thing. So it's as if he has engaged, we are engaged to Christ. And now we want to make sure that the marriage goes through. Come on now. Come on, women. Y'all help me. You know you ain't tripping on the engagement level. Ain't no arguing at the engagement level, is it? Come on. I ain't going to, not until we cross that threshold. <laughs> Come on. Once I get that ring on my finger, I'm going to let him know. But until then, until then, I'm going to be on my best behavior. Because it ain't been signed and sealed. And he's looking for a wife. He's looking for someone that can support his dreams, his visions. Come on, y'all know I ain't lying. It's a whole nother conversation. After the marriage happened. <laughs> Why? Because there's security there now. You got to give me everything to get out of this. <laughs> See? <laughs> so that's why this, <laughs> y'all crazy. <laughs> so relationships, it dictates covenants. It says what we have to do. It says what he has to do for us and what we have to do for him. But the other part I want to talk about is the blood of Christ. Because the blood of Christ is transfused from one vessel to another. 
To drink his blood is the transfusion of the word into the body that gives us life. The Bible says in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. Then it continued on to say that in the word was life. In the blood is life. In the word was life. And that life was the light of men. And so the blood of Christ is the blood that transfuses the entire body of Christ. That's why we should all be saying one thing. Because we all have the same blood, spiritually speaking. So this is what we're going to talk about on today for a couple minutes about body cleanse. We have to cleanse our bodies. Now, he already did his part through the blood. Through the blood, he inaugurated the covenant. Through the blood, he cleansed us. The scripture said that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. So he already shed the blood and forgave sin. So sin is not an issue. It's not something that we should be worried about. The whole thing with grace and sin now is if you continue in sin, you miss your destiny. You're going to miss your destiny. That's the issue with sin now is that you're going to miss your destiny. Because he can't give the inheritance to an immature child. And how, you, how is your maturity judged on how much you hear him? Come on. You've been, you went through a household before you was raised. You know when you ask for something, if you're going to get it. And you know you're only going to get it because you, you were obedient. Disobedience allows the parent to what? Keep things from you. It's, come on. Age has something to do with maturity. How long have you been doing this thing? How long have you, has your prayer life been consistent? How long has your prayer life been consistent? How long has, has your studying of the word been consistent or is it sporadic? I got to help you. Because I don't want you praying for something that you can't keep. And I want you to know that he wants you to have it. But you got to understand also that he's monitoring your spiritual life. And that's why I tell you, you can, you can try to fool me, but I know like the scripture said, it's, your speech betrays you. Your actions, they betray you. If you're in prayer and you're in the word, you on fire. You on fire. Come on. If you're doing it at a high level, if it's meager, then I, you, you might you got a little flame to you. But if you're in prayer and in a, you're, you're on fire for his mission, if you're spending that time in prayer, you hear him, but you don't hear him at the level of mine. You hear him at the level of your will, Father. Come on. Your will, Father. What is your will, Father? When we don't pray, we just hear him at the level of what we want, what we need. But as we, as we mature in prayer, we start to sound like Jesus. Not my will, Father, but your will. I mean, if, if, if Jesus was in today's church, they would think he was religious. The disciples asked him, you, you, you want something to eat? He said, uh, the food I, I've already eaten, the food I, I've already eaten comes from my Father. What I'm eating is his will. You can go to Publix, he said, but I'm eating from heaven. My will, my appetite, my thirst is to do his will. 
Even to the point, he said, the Bible says, if you, if you hunger and thirst after righteousness, Jesus said it. If you hunger and thirst after righteousness, he said, you will be filled. Come on. You got to hear me. If you hunger and thirst after righteousness, if, if, if you shift your appetite from all the other stuff and you just hunger and thirst after righteousness, the scripture says you will be filled. You will be filled. If we are not filled, it's because we don't have the appetite for this. We don't have that. We have to have an appetite for prayer. Situations will push you there. Come on. We're going to get into that. Circumstances will push you there. I know you think you don't know why this going, is going on because he's trying to produce an appetite in you. If you're his child, raise your hand. He's going to do everything that he can to make sure that you know you need him. <laughs> He's going to make sure. So every, when, you, when you hit a wall, it's the Father letting you know you need me. This next step, this next step you take, you're not going to do it without me. I'll let you go, and I'll let you do things. Okay, sometimes he lets us roam. You know how with our kids, okay, we're just going to let it go. Yeah, they're they, they, they young, they're growing up. But now, hold on, we're at the stage now where you need to produce some fruit. There's some conversations that I, I, I had with my son. He's 15, 16, he's 17. Uh, them conversations changing. I get it. Why are you sitting down? You ain't got nothing to do? You just sitting here watching TV? You ain't got nothing to do? It was cool when you was 10, but now you're about to be 18. That's why as you mature in Christ, we got an expectation for you. Oh, you ain't serving yet? <laughs> You still missing prayer? We understand when you're at the infant level. You still showing up late. At, before, we, we understand. We understand because it's a maturity thing. But as you get older, okay, as you get older and you get bolder and, and, and you say you bigger, it's an expectation. That's why I know if you're praying. As your leader, I know if you're praying. I know if you're hearing the Spirit. He's trying to do a body cleanse, y'all. He's trying to cleanse those things out of us that don't belong to the kingdom. He's trying to cleanse those things out of us that are hindering the anointing, that are dimming your light. He's trying to wash them out of us. And he already did his part. He did his part by the blood of Jesus. He gave the ransom. And how dare him give a ransom and you not respond to it. Come on now. If, if I give my child, no, scratch that. If I put up 20 bucks, <laughs> if I give my money, let alone my child, I got an expectation. Come on, my right kid, you put your money, look, you pay somebody to do something, you expect them to do it. Why? Because you paid them. You send your child to college on a full ride, you good grades. <laughs> what you mean you couldn't go to class? The tuition paid for. This is where we are now. The, the spiritual tuition has been paid for. The spirit has been poured out. The covenant has been inaugurated. He's done what he's going to do. He's not going to do anything else. The Bible says he rested on the seventh day. 
He rested from all his work on the seventh day. Do y'all know that he hasn't worked since the seventh day? But now, but Jesus said his father is always working. Well, why is his father always working if he rested on the seventh day? Because he's now raising us. Come on. He's raising us. So when the Bible tells us, as you draw nigh to him, he draws nigh to you. If you don't take a step, he's not going to take a step. Because he already gave. You mean to tell me, I gave you my son? He died on the cross, and you want me to give you what else? What else can I give you? I gave you the kingdom of God. I opened up the spirit realm for you. The holies of holies is available. I made you a joint heir. What else do you want me to do? Now everything else is on us. Say amen. amen. So when it comes to body, the body cleanse, the first thing that we have to use to cleanse the body is the word. John 15 and 3 says, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. You are already clean because the word I have spoken to you. And so this is the reason why preaching and teaching is necessary. How dare you go a day? Come on, I'm, I'm about to get you. How dare you go a day and not put the word in you? He says, you are already clean because the word I have spoken to you. So the word cleanses you. When you can't hear, you can cleanse your hearing with the word. When you can't see, you can cleanse your sight with the word. Sometimes if you just open the scripture, it's just something miraculous about just opening the Bible and just finding right exactly what you need. Come on, if you've done that, clap your hands. Come on. If you open the word and, and oh, that was what I needed to hear right there. Or if you just turned on, you just pushed, uh, uh, went on Instagram and, and a reel just popped up. You ever did that and then you, you wanted to ignore it so you moved it and then another one came up? Same word. <laughs> and then you kept scrolling and then another, same word come up. He's trying to speak to you and let you know. But we use the word to cleanse our mind. We use the word to cleanse our heart. This is the whole reason of us doing the heart transplant. The purpose of the heart transplant is so that you can absorb the word. So the Bible said that he wants to remove that heart of stone, that petrified heart. That heart has been tormented and tattered. That heart from the past that everybody has stepped on, that you put in the wrong hands. He said he wants to do surgery on that heart, and he wants to remove it, and he wants to put a heart of flesh there. And with this heart of flesh, now you can absorb, uh, I love you. <laughs> Come on, you can absorb a, I love you. You can be appreciative. You can now have gratitude. You ain't got to keep looking and asking and thinking, when they going to betray me? Because he already told you, if he be for you, so if he be for you, anybody that betrays you is against him. You can't come against a child of God. Your plotting and planning will be discovered in dreams and visions, unctions in the spirit. You can't do, you can't do that in this lifestyle. 
The spirit is there to cleanse us out. So even our discernment, our discernment, come on, you better trust the spirit. Yeah, you feel that. Yeah, if something don't feel right for a reason. But that's only when you begin to cleanse yourself. So how dare us put, not put the word in us every day? For hours. Come on, I'm trying to, this is a spiritual life. He gave his son. He made you a joint heir. What else you got time for? What, what is more important than this? The king eternal sent his son, made you an heir to him, and a joint heir with his son predestined you, gave you purpose. How can, what, what is more important than this? Well, that might be why he says seek first. That might be why he says seek first. So if he tells you to do something first, that's an order. The steps of a good man are ordered. Come on. You, they're ordered. Well, where do we hear that from? The word. So we use the word to cleanse us. So watch this. We don't have to think. We don't have to think. He's already did the thinking for us. He already told us how to think. He already told us. Not, not that he only tell us how to think. He told us your thoughts are not like my thoughts. So he's telling you need to elevate yourself. You need the mind of Christ. And with the mind of Christ, we become pure. Because to the pure, what? All things are pure. Ephesians 5 and 25 says, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word. So the scriptures even tell us that Jesus' plan on cleansing the body of Christ is through the word. How don't we need to come to church? Why don't we need preaching and teaching? If the scripture says this is how he's going to wash us, he even told husbands this is how you cleanse your wife. <laughs> Ladies, you better get your man to know the word. <laughs> You better get you a man to know the word so he can wash you. So when you in your feelings and your emotions, y'all know I ain't lying. Don't be looking at me like that. He can throw that word at you. And you might not like it, but the, that combination gets you. That combination gets you. I'm gonna get, that combination will get you. When a husband hits you with the word and then the father come back and hits you with it again. And then the, spoke, the Holy Spirit got it resting on you. You heard what your husband said. You heard what the word said, and you sit there, and you don't want to let up. You better let up. Okay? That's his plan for the body of Christ. When we get out of order, when we decide we don't want to submit to Christ, that's a sign that what? The word needs to, we need to, come on, we need to eat the word. The blood of, the blood of Christ cleanses our conscience. So when we're in a place where we don't, when we, well, sometimes we feel like we can't obey. Come on, sometimes it's hard. You have dark moments. Every day you don't have to be a superhero. <laughs> and them dark moments are there to even let you know, you need me. 
You ain't prayed all week? Yep, I'm gonna make sure everything chaotic. Because next week, you're gonna pray. <laughs> Before he take you to the next level, he's gonna make sure that you know I gotta depend on the word. Before you go to the next level, he's gonna make sure that you know I gotta depend on this word. The Bible said the word is a lamp unto my feet. It's a lamp unto my feet. It's a lamp. I can't see my feet without the word. I can't even see my steps. It's a lamp unto my feet, the word, and a light unto my path. So I need the word to see my steps, and I need the word to see where I'm going. Jesus said the word is, is spirit, and it is life. The scripture said that the word sanctifies us. Jesus had told the disciples, he said, you're going to have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. The Bible says 60 of them left. He turned to the, to the other 12 and said, y'all going too? Because he know he on a mission. When you're on a mission, you don't need people. <laughs> you need to stay on the mission. So if the Father sent you on a mission, you don't need a crowd to go. You stay on the mission. Jeremiah, whole ministry, not one convert. The purpose of the mission ain't to get people to follow you. The purpose of the mission is to do what the Father said to do. I'm say it again. The purpose of the mission, because a lot of times, if you, when the Father sends us on a mission, and we don't see people, we think we're on the wrong mission. And I've learned that most people don't hear God, especially not as a father. And it's different from hearing God and, and saying that I'm going to, to follow God than say, knowing that he's your father. And when you know he's a father and, he, and you're a child, you know I have to follow him. I have no choice. The Bible said the word is a double-edged sword. So when the disciples came and, and, and they got ready to leave, when, well, when he told them to eat his blood, drink his blood and eat his flesh, and they decided they were going to leave, he turns to his disciples and says, y'all leaving too? And Peter says, where will we go? <laughs> yeah. Where will we go? He said, you have the words of eternal life. Y'all don't get that. He said, you have the words of eternal life. You have words not just for time and space, but your word is, is forever. It is forever. It deals with, with a future that never ends. That's why you got to stop, stop worrying about the temporal. Forget the temporary word. Don't worry about what the government talking about. It, <laughs> that's a temporary word. They don't even know what they're talking about. They have no idea. Everything they say they're about to do, they, okay, it ain't where I came to talk about. So let's keep it moving. The next one is praying and fasting. Praying and fasting. The rest way... The next way of cleansing ourselves is through prayer and fasting. Matthew chapter 17, verse 21 says, But this kind does not go out except by 
prayer, and fasting. So on Wednesday, what do we do? We fast. And every day we pray. So prayer and fasting is to keep you cleansed. So as members who are, as individual members, as long as, as well as with the collective body, if we fast and pray, we will be cleansed of every type of demonic thing. Anything that is not supposed to be in us, it comes out by prayer and fasting. Now, you got to remember, he told them that this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting because they were trying to remove a demon from somebody else. So if this, if this works for remove, the removal of demons from another person, surely it works on yourself. So that's why there's forces. There's spiritual forces that are trying to stop you from fasting. So you got to force yourself to fast because there are demonic entities that you cannot see that are trying to stop you. I told you, it is, it's, it's a reason why when we go on a fast, you keep looking in the refrigerator. It's, I'm telling it's a reason why everything sounds good. Everything sounds good. When you can't eat, you picky. I mean, when you can't eat, you picky. Soon as you go on a fast, everything that is available look good and sound good. You don't even eat that. <laughs> But it looked good because you're on a fast. That is a demonic thing that's trying to prevent you. You have to force yourself to pray. Because there is a, you ever went to pray and, and you just felt like you couldn't. This is the time, watch this. This is the time for dominion power. This is the time for dominion power. I know we want to use it to cast out devils. We want to use it to split the Red Sea or Lake Michigan, whatever. Okay. I know we want to use it to open the eyes of the blind, but can we first use it to pray and fast? Can we first use the power of God to pray and fast? Praying and fasting is the ultimate sign of repentance. When you go to pray and fast, the spirit realm knows this. You're saying, I want to change. This is the proof that you are poor in spirit. It's the proof that you want to change. This is the ultimate sign of repentance. You can say, I repent. But until you deal with that flesh, until you deal with that mind, there is no repentance because repentance happens at the mind. So I fast and I pray for the sake of my mind and my body but also for my gifts, also because I'm a servant, also because I have an assignment, I have a calling. Praying and fasting is the ultimate sign of humility. It's me emptying myself out. It's me emptying myself. I'm in, when I pray and I fast, I'm emptying myself out so that whatever the Father wants to do through me, he can. That's important because the Bible says that we have to humble ourselves. And in us humbling ourselves, the Bible says that he will give us a greater grace. You asking for a blessing, you asking him to open doors, but a simple 
week, two, three days worth of prayer and fasting will kick the door down for you. And even this, I want to tell you, as parents, look, your child ain't too young to fast. Your, your child ain't too young to fast and pray. Don't, don't make your child, don't, do not make your child think that they are too young to pray and fast. Because they are young enough for a demon to enter in. If the devil can live there, they can pray and fast. I understand, baby, you hungry, but you ain't eating the lunch. <laughs> Pray in tongues. It's the ultimate sign of humility. The Bible says that if we humble ourselves in due time, he will exalt us. Sometimes we're trying to exalt ourselves. We're trying to exalt ourselves. And if you, want, if you want to be exalted, humble yourself. I don't care how many blue checks you get on Instagram. God didn't exalt that. I don't care how many likes you get. God didn't exalt that. And we have to learn to not need, to not be so focused on getting help from the natural. I get caught up in it. I get caught up in it sometimes. We, are, we need help. No, just keep, just keep doing what I told you to do. If you need help with something and you ain't got enough people to do it, then that means it ain't time to get that done. When we pray and fast, nothing ungodly can remain in us. But you're not just praying and fasting. You're praying and fasting, watch this, and you're adding the word. And you're worshiping in spirit and truth. If you just pray, I mean, if you just fast and there's no prayer and there's no worship and there's no word, you just did not eat. That profited you none. I hate to say it, but if you fasting and you're not praying and you're not reading that word and you're not spending your time baptizing the spirit, that fast is for nothing. You just didn't eat. You didn't produce power. You didn't cleanse yourself because the flesh still had control of you. You, you, you didn't eat. You just watched TV. You didn't eat. You tended to everything else but the word. You didn't eat, but you didn't pray. You didn't eat, but you spent no time baptizing the spirit. You spent no time worshiping. You just didn't eat. It does you no good. Now, this is part of the practice of righteousness that Jesus spoke about. Not only did Jesus speak about it and give it to his disciples, but he also participated in it. Am I right? Even with the word, we see him about his father's business, what, sitting in the temple. We see him in the wilderness fasting for, what, 40 days. And because of his reading the word, come on, when he was 12 and 13, by the time he was 30, he was baptized in the spirit. The spirit led him into the wilderness to fast for 40 days. Then he walks into a meeting, opens the scrolls, and he finds himself in the scripture. 
Which means what? This wasn't his first time. <laughs> this wasn't his first time reading the scriptures. Jesus read the scriptures, the scrolls. He read the Torah. He studied the Torah. So we have him in a, watch this. We have him about his father's business. Then we have him in a wilderness moment. Then we have him finding himself in scripture. Then we have him in the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, truth be told, that speaks to all of our lives. It has to start there. It has to start with you being about your father's business. He's not just going to send you to the Garden of Gethsemane. <laughs> He's not just going to give you big ministry. He's just not going to give you big business. It starts with the word. I'm cleaning myself out. And when I'm cleaning myself out through the word, why am I cleaning myself out? So when he speaks to me, I can hear him. Because I can only hear him according to the word. I'll say it again. I can only hear him according to the word. Your thoughts are not the Bible. God is not speaking to you through your thoughts. It has to line up with the word. No, I hear all the time, everywhere we go. When we outreach, y'all, I already know God. Yeah, but is he talking to you? You know him, but do he know you? Y'all okay? We're talking about body cleansing. We need to cleanse our bodies. Purify ourselves, Because, and it matters. Your purity matters to the whole body. Your purity matters to your family. As men, if you're, if you're filthy, then your family's filthy. As men, if you're defiled, then your family's defiled. As leaders, even in this house, even in a government, come on. If our leaders are defiled, so is our country. There's no way in the world we should be doing homosexual rights and trans rights. That don't even make sense. It, don't make, it, doesn't, it doesn't even make sense for us to tell children. Do you think you a boy or a girl? Let me know what you think so I can know according to how to dress you. That's defilement. That's confusion. And that's why you see these other countries, like, bye, peace, peace to America. We don't, won't have nothing to do with y'all. They try to bring that junk over in Africa. They're like, I don't think so. I don't think so. No, way. no, there would be no gay rights over here. They don't have no rights. They shouldn't have no rights. Gays should not have rights. You have human rights. You don't need gay rights. <laughs> I was looking at an Instagram reel, and a, a guy who was of that lifestyle, he popped up and he had a, he pointed to a thing where it said where it said in some city that they that they made it where transgenders can go into the, the the bathroom of their new choice. And he said, and the and the guy said, so guess who won't be saying nothing to me when I get ready to go in the girls' bathroom? That's what he said. So a white guy pops up and, and says, there's no law that the government can pass. I want you to hear me. 
He said, if my little girl goes in that bathroom and you follow her, there's no law that the government can pass that I won't kill you. If my daughter goes in the bathroom and you being a man who think you're a woman, you follow her in there, I'm going to knock you out. That's me saying that. If Alana Hardy, Brooklyn Hardy, or Akira Hardy walk in the bathroom and I see a man who, think he, who thinks he's a woman, follow them in the bathroom, y'all come get me out of jail. Y'all come get me out of jail. Walk in after my daughters. Tell me it's your right. I'm going to show you what you got the right to do. You got the right to lay there till the ambulance get there. <laughs> I'm dead serious. And you can use this on trial. He premeditated that. I sure did, Joanna. <laughs> Throw away the key. Is life temporary anyway? What was I at? <laughs> and you see why Jesus said Satan has nothing in me. That's how we have to be. We can't be. No, look, y'all, I'm telling you. We can't be on. You can't be on Instagram. You can't be out in public trying to. Look, we don't have to respect that. We don't have to respect them. We don't have to respect that. We have to respect them as humans. But we do not have to, re I do not have to respect a man's right to want to play with another man's penis. No. I would not respect that. Period. I would not respect your right to wear a dress. No. You look stupid. And I think we should start saying it more often. Our mouths are closed too much. We need to start saying that often. We was in Cheesecake Factory the other day. And a, and a woman had the audacity to tell the boy, you wearing that? We can't be complicit with that. We can't be. Because the thing about it, when we arguing, when we arguing for black rights, if somebody not saying nothing, we say they're complicit. Come on, we hold white people to being complicit to, to racism if they don't say nothing. We're complicit if we don't say nothing. No, you don't, no, we don't have to respect your right to be gay. No, that is against the rules and regulations of life. You're opening up doors and then you're pulling our children in, the next generation. That deserves death. In itself, you're taking somebody who was preordained, predestined by the Father to conform to the image of Christ and telling them that you can change your sex. Which means the moment they change their sex, they will never be able to conform to the image. So let me keep going. The next level of body cleanses is refinement. That's probably why I should have got this off it, okay? First Peter 4 and 12. Hmm. Dear friends, 
Don't be surprised when the fiery ordeal comes among you to test you as if something unusual were happening to you. So the third way in which we cleanse ourselves or which we are cleansed is by the baptism of fire, refinement. And so the scripture says, dear friends, don't be surprised when the fiery ordeals come among you to test you as if something unusual were happening to you. Now, how many of y'all been through this? You're like, what is going on? What in the world is happening? How many of y'all, you been getting hit on every side? If it ain't ministry, I, I, it's marriage. If it ain't marriage, it's the kids. You get all that together, then it's the bank account. Now, something wrong with the car. Okay? You get in your car and you're like, why don't, my, why don't none of my friends want to talk to me no more? All of these things are happening. The Bible calls them fiery ordeals. And it says that you, you think something strange has happened. But it's nothing strange. What he's trying to do is purify you. He's trying to cleanse you. He's trying to prepare you for something. And you think when, when conflict happens, there's nothing wrong with conflict. Sometimes you need conflict so you can know how to resolve it. The Bible says, now it says the fiery ordeal comes among you to test you. Y'all see that? It comes to test you. When they talk about you, that's to test you. When somebody slight you, it's to test you. When your boss is getting on your nerves, when they fire you from a job, that's to test you. Who do you trust? Why do you feel you need them more than you need me? Hold on. You didn't hear what I said? You didn't hear the thing I told you to do? Why, why all of a sudden now that you're doing it and people are opposing you, why are you stopping? Why do we need them to agree with us? This is my rule of thumb, Ken. This is my rule of thumb. If you ain't, ask, if you ain't seeking me for my opinion of what's going on in your life before you make a decision, why should I seek you? Did I help you? If they're not seeking you about the decision that they're making in their life, why do you care that they care about the decisions that you're making in your life? Why is it bothering you that they care that, that, that they are opposing what you're doing and when they go to do a thing, they don't think about you? So verse 13, he says, instead, rejoice. Rejoice in a fiery ordeal that is testing you. He said, rejoice as you share in suffering, the suffering of Christ. So that you may also rejoice with great joy when the glory is revealed. Which means those sufferings, when you endure those sufferings, it allows you to go to the next level. 
if, if, if level one sits you down with problems, you're not ready for level two. If you're trying to go to level five and level three is breaking you down, you're not ready. I speak this to myself. I tell my wife this. If we got problems handling these, then what we talking about three, four churches? Let them talk. <laughs> because what you must understand is when he called you, he qualifies you. And when he called you, people can't uncall you. It don't matter what people say. I got some proof for you. Verse 14 says, if you are ridiculed for the name of Christ, you are blessed. Why are you blessed? Because the spirit of glory and God rests on you. So he's allowing the fiery trials because what rests on you? Let them cuss you out and you better not cuss them out. Let them cuss you out and you say, I appreciate you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Because the father is trying to see. I, I'm telling you, I have friends that are brilliant. They're brilliant. They can run Fortune 500 companies, but the moment one person opposes them, they go into Debo mode. Not understanding that the person opposing you is getting you prepared to be over many. So you're at work, the boss is telling you off, and you think the boss got something against you. No, the boss is preparing you, or the father is preparing you to be a CEO. But you don't know that that fiery ordeal is cleansing you of, how people th of what people think about you. It's cleansing your ears so when, you, when somebody talk about you, you, hear, you, all you hear in your ear is, God bless them. Or you hear what Jesus said, forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. If they knew who they were talking, if they knew who they was talking about, instead of talking about me, they would take me to lunch. If they knew who I was, instead of speaking ill of me, you would bless me. This is why the Bible tells us to honor one another. This is why the Bible tells us that we have to forgive 490 times in a day. You ain't got the right to be mad. Uh-oh. You don't have the right to be mad. Y'all with me? You don't have a right to be upset. You don't have a right to give exchange evil for evil. When somebody give you evil, you have to give good. You don't have the right because the standard has already been spoken. How much should we forgive a brother in a day? Seven times seven? No, he said seven times. He said seven times. Now, I think that's good. I think that is a gracious standard. And if Sean B offends me seven times in a day, I, I can forgive him seven times. That's good. But 490? Who, what, 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 what do you think? I'm supernatural? Oh, Oh, that's it. The standard is created because I'm a God. The standard is created because I'm God's child. Because his DNA is in me.
or he's testing me to see, do I have the mind of Christ? Because the mind of Christ was constantly opposed. Although he was a son, he suffered. <laughs> he suffered. What was his suffering? He had an internal purpose. He heard his father clearly, but he had some external problems. He had some government problems. Herod was trying to kill him when he was two. He had some Pharisee problems. Religious folks, when he came to bring forth the kingdom, they want to keep the law. He had some problems with the Sadducees. They was philosophers. He had some problem with the scribes, the lawyers, and the doctors. This ain't nothing new. That's why the Bible tells you that some strange thing has happened. Nothing is new under the sun. America is Sodom and Gomorrah. Nothing new under the sun. And I'm going to be honest with y'all. I'm ready to leave, too. I'm ready to leave, too. Y'all can have America. The only reason I'm here is because it's an assignment. If the father tell me to leave, I'm going to Africa or I'm going to London. I'm just putting it out there. I've been looking. So it says if you are ridiculed, verse 15, let none of you suffer as murderers, a thief, an evildoer, or a meddler. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in having that name. So that name attracts hatred. Y'all hear me? When you're under the name of Christ, because the name is not just a title of a person, the name means that you carry his weight and glory, which means we are his dignitarians, which means we are his royal family, which means we are those that carry the majestic mandate which means that we are those who are brilliant in light. We are those in which if there's going to be love, it's going to have to come through us. Verse 17. Here we go. For the time has come for judgment to begin with God's household. The time has come for judgment to begin with God's children, with Abba's family. So the standard has to be upheld by us first. That's where judgment starts. He's not judging the world yet. The judgment starts with us. I said you were light. When I look at you from heaven, do I see light? When I look at you from heaven, do I see salt? Judgment starts with God's household. Then it says, if it begins with us, say us. If it begins with us, if it begins with his children, what will the outcome be? For those who disobey the gospel of God. So if we're held to this standard and we live that standard, or even if we don't live that standard, those who are outside of the church 
what's, what's going to happen to them? If we're judged according to the word and folks ain't even obeying the gospel, what's going to happen to them? Now, I ain't a hell fire brimstone preacher. That's not, that's not my assignment. That's not my call is to preach hellfire and brimstone. But we have to let people know that if us as God's children, if we're obeying this word and we're judged by this word and we have to live by this word, there's no way in the world you, you are just going to slip in. If you die and you're not his child, when you wake up, you're not his child. If this wasn't your life on earth, it won't be your life when you die. If you didn't, Jesus said, if you deny me, I'm going to deny you before my father. If you didn't give me your life on earth, then you can't have eternal life. It, it sounds harsh, but it's fair. And it's true. So verse 18 says, and if the, a righteous person is saved with difficulty. Come on, we're saved by difficulty. We don't just get to say I'm saved and then live our life. We got to pray. Come on. We got to fast. Come on. We got to read the word. We got to fellowship. We got to pray for those who use us. So it says, and if the righteous person is saved by difficulty, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Verse 19, so then let those who suffer according to God's will entrust themselves to a faithful creator while doing what is good. So he just act, he, so the purpose of us cleansing ourselves or the proof that we, that we are cleansing ourselves is that we trust him. That we trust him while we do the thing that is good and right. What does trust look like? Obedience under any circumstances. Under any circumstances. Amen. All right, we're going to close. We're going to end right there for the day. You learned something? Yeah. Hallelujah. I'm not done, but I feel like y'all got the point. Amen. So let's activate our tongues. We're going to pray for a couple minutes. Oh, Lord, we thank you.